Hi there. This is uh, Talking in Technicolor. My name is Ryan. My name is Teresa. And we're here to bring you a new podcast about psychedelics, mycology, uh, foraging, drug decriminalization, uh, many topics. Our first order of business tonight is to talk to you guys a little bit about what Talking in Technicolor is. Um, we kicked around a few names before we decided to do this thing, but Teresa came up with Talking in Technicolor, so... I figured we'll have her talk to you about that. Yeah, so my buddy came to give a presentation for the Psychedelic Club, and he did a presentation on the history of LSD. And there's this video of this woman, like, back in the 60s, she goes to a doctor and uh, drinks, like, a glass of water filled with LSD. And she's tra having all these visions, like, in the doctor's office. And there's one point she was like, I wish I could talk in Technicolor. And, like, that stuck with me a lot. And, like... I was like, that's it, that's what we gotta name it. So, yeah. talking in Technicolor. Are you looking, can you? Yes, what should I see? I wish I could talk in Technicolor. Or, or let you see, can you? Say you can see it? No, I can't quite see it. Tell me about it. It's... I can't tell you about it. If you can't see it, then you'll just never know it. I feel sorry for you. It sounded pretty cool to me. That's part of why we got this yeah. tapestry. Here's our backdrop. Mm -hmm. um, and it really looks like this woman is talking in Technicolor, which I think is super cool. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I think kind of a good thing for us to start off with is what kind of topics within um, the stuff we discussed we might cover. Um, you know, Teresa and I both have involvement in a few different organizations. We're with the uh, Fort Collins Mycological Society. And um, Teresa is president of the CSU, or Colorado State University Psychedelic Club. Um, so kind of our idea as we're going through this is we get a lot of guest speakers, and we think it would be a fun opportunity for everyone to maybe get them in front of a camera or in front of a microphone, as the case may be, and interview them about their topics. Um, it could be anything from, say, psilocybin journeys or um, breathwork, ayahuasca, um, what, what kind of topics do you have coming up? Um, anything mushroom related. Really, I want to use this podcast as like a way to like reach out to some really cool people in the community, the mushroom community, the psychedelic community, and just talk about like meet new people and talk about things that I'm really passionate about. So, like, I really want to talk about decriminalizing all drugs. I want to talk about Terrence McKenna. Um, it'd be cool to have Dennis McKenna on here. Um, just like. I just have so many things to say about Terrence McKenna and just like psychedelics and like why they, we sh they should be integrated in our society more and like how people could be using them for PTSD and that kind of stuff. So really I want this to be a way to like educate people and let people know like why we care about this kind of stuff. So. Yeah, I, I think that's really well put. And um, you know, I, I got to say on this end, one, one thing that uh, made me and Teresa hit it off is we're both Terrence McKenna fans. He's yeah. sort of... Um, when I was getting started out in this was sort of my patron saint of psychedelics and still in many ways he is 
Mm-hmm. Um, he absolutely has his moments where he's full of hot air, um, <laughs> but then again, he doesn't, yeah. right? That's why we love him, though. Yeah, <laughs> and that voice. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's like almost my favorite part of him. Yeah, <laughs> the ab- voice. absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think one good opportunity, like Teresa was saying, is we do want to get people on, so if you're watching this and you are perhaps interested in coming in, you know, talking with us about it, whether your experience is very limited, say you're someone seeking to do psychedelics and you want to do a before and after interview, that's something we might cover here on the channel. Um, or if you're someone who actively does, say, psychedelic integration therapy with patients, or maybe you're a ketamine person, or you want to talk about your ayahuasca trip you did down in Peru last year, um, any and all of that is on the table. Um, Really, what we're trying to do is take a, a snapshot of where psychedelic culture is right now and um, maybe shine a light on some inter- interesting points of conversation, learn about how people use it in their daily practice, or um, hopefully not every day, but yeah. <laughs> frequent practice, yeah. as the case may be, um, and kind of go from there. I thought it would be a, a good idea for us to talk about our individual experiences with psychedelics. So. Um, if Teresa, if you want to take it away first and I can follow. Sure. So, I mean, I was like the normal teenager who like tried it back, back in the day, but, um, I feel like I really started to use it as a medicine. Um, I started to use it to treat PTSD. I started microdosing and really it was the only thing that helped me get through some of the hardest parts of my life. And it was just like... I don't know, there's something about it where it just like allows you to see a different point of view. Like sometimes when you have PTSD you can only see this like narrow view of the world. Like you're forgetting about all the beautiful trees and the beautiful like your friends and family and I feel like it just like lets you step outside of yourself and see things from a new perspective. Made me realize that I can change the things. I don't have to accept the things that happen to me. I can change the world. I can be a part of um, just something bigger and I don't have to be a victim anymore so I feel like um, it was like one of the biggest things that changed my life and um, made me feel powerful and made me want to start the psychedelic club and made me want to change laws decriminalizing mushrooms and uh, honestly I feel like I don't know I feel like I just had before I did psychedelics I was just kind of so unambitious and like wasn't really going anywhere in life and like I don't know, I like to say, like, sometimes I feel like I was such a peasant before I used psychedelics. Like, I was just a peasant, like, I didn't do anything, like, didn't have any goals or any ambitions, but there's something about when I'm on mushrooms, like, I get everything done on my to-do list, I want to, like, save the world, I, I don't know, it just, like, makes me feel big and powerful, and it makes me feel like I can do anything, and I don't know, it just makes you feel like you can do something bigger. So. Sure. So what, what was your first psychedelic? My first psychedelic was mushrooms, and that's like my main psychedelic. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. So yeah, mushrooms, and that's like why I went back to school for mushrooms too. So it's like, it's the reason I'm back at school, and <clears throat> um, but yeah, so mushrooms awesome. is the biggest one. Do you feel comfortable sharing details of your, your first trip? Oh, my first trip? Yeah. Yeah, I'd oh, love man. to. Okay. I think that'd be a great thing for us to talk about. Before. Let's um, do it. Yeah, so. First trip, dude, so I was like 16 years old, little me, in Baltimore City, and like, 
I I remember we ate them on like peanut butter sandwiches. Like, <laughs> that, and it was gross. disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> it was like these gr gross uh, dry cracker things on a mm -hmm. sandwich. Like it was disgusting. But so that was like about an eighth though, which is like pretty big for me, especially because I'm like so tiny too. So I feel like um, so this was like in a really weird part of my life. So. I was 16 and I like I had like social anxiety mm -hmm. so bad at that point like there was a couple years um, where I like couldn't talk to anyone like I don't know really? I was like almost mute for a couple years it was like wow. weird like I don't know someone would talk to me I would just be like <sighs> I don't know it's just like I couldn't say anything it was wow. just, like I don't know I didn't realize it was that intense for you. Yeah, it was like really bad. Like I remember I would go home and like have to rub my cheeks because I didn't move my, I didn't talk oh, wow. all day long. It was just like the most lonely feeling ever. I was ever. when you were a teenager? Yeah. So, but when I tried mushrooms, this was the first time I ever felt like a social butterfly. Like nice. I felt like I was finally able to like talk the way I wanted to and like bond with other people and like um, just like say whatever I wanted and laugh with other people like I felt like it had been so long since I had been like comfortable to do that with other people so I just remember like feeling like I was the life of the party I was making jokes I was cracking jokes everyone was like laughing at me like nice. it was just like I was like wow this is what social people must feel like this feels great and just like the first time I just felt so connected to other people and that's great it was like the most beautiful thing like that's why it's like I look back at those times like I couldn't even talk to people back then and now I'm like running in a psychedelic club I talk in front of people all the yeah. time like I, you can still kind of see like sometimes I'm like super nervous and like mm -hmm. I forget to breathe and stuff but I it's hard to like yeah it's like hard to almost imagine like I wasn't even able to talk to people oh sure not too long ago so that's awesome I feel Teresa. like the mushrooms were like a big part of me being able to like speak and have that voice again. So, That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I have to say, like, my, I don't know if I've shared this with you ever either, but my experience uh, growing up was pretty similar. I actually couldn't look people in the eyes um, without my eyes watering. Really? So I would, yeah, if I looked, made eye contact, um, I would, like, start crying a little bit. Like, I was yeah. so socially anxious. Um, mm, worked through a lot of that but by the time I came around my first mushroom trip um, obviously that uh, betrays some underlying anxiety um, and I was to the point where every 30 seconds to a minute I would think about death and dying and I just had such terrible death anxiety that I was contemplating killing myself because um, yeah I just was incredibly obsessive in a very unhealthy way um, to the point where I'd wake up with night terrors screaming about um, dying or um, what it's going to be like when my consciousness ends and um, you know it's also the same part of my life um, where I'll, I'll be honest I'm an atheist and I had realized I'm an atheist um, and that was very scary for someone who grew up in a very traditional Christian household um, to suddenly realized that for me there might not be something after death um, and just coping with that and so I'd heard about um, 
psilocybin mushrooms via a Paul Stamets interview on the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> and I know approximately 70% of you are rolling your eyes right now. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> um, whether it be about Paul Stamets or uh, Joe Rogan. Um, but he mentioned that they use it for folks with cancer um, to deal with their death anxiety and that it helps extinguish fear. And I realized this is exactly what I need. So um, over the course of a few months, because I don't really know any drug people, um, I was able to get a hold of some mushrooms eventually after asking, you know, everyone's dog walker, yeah. you know, um, do you have mushrooms? <laughs> and I'm sure a great personal risk. Um, but my, my first trip just showed me, without prattling on, too much about it, just the the whole creation and evolution of life on Earth from beginning to end, um, and then also lots of images about death and the gnashing of teeth and um, a lot of like bloody demon teeth chewing on raw meat kind of imagery when I close my eyes, yeah. and it just became so absurd that I had to laugh at it, and I realized that. Um, it, <clears throat> I'm kind of looking at that as I'm looking at this fear of death that I have, mm. and it's sort of equally laughable to be so obsessed with your death that you can't live your life. Yeah. And uh, yeah. literally since that day, uh, about two, three years ago, I have not had any uh, death fear, except uh, maybe periodically I ponder it and get a little worried, but certainly the obsessive caught in a loop of thought has really been extinguished entirely. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like it's almost like trying to prep us for death. Like it's trying to just like, I don't know. That's probably why it's good for end of death. Oh, yeah. Stuff. Interesting. Yeah, I, I have thought about that quite a bit because I imagine, now this is just in my mind and what I think at this point, I imagine there's a portion of the death experience that's probably similar to being on a higher dose of psychedelics. Yes, definitely. I think it's connected. Sometimes I wonder if it's like we're almost going to the same world that we go to when we die or something. Sure. Or when we're dreaming or something like that. Well, and um, I'm going to put on my, my anthropology hat here. Um, a little, little background on um, me and my uh, study at Colorado State University was primarily ethnography. Um, so when I look at psychedelics, I really like to explore what they were used for traditionally. Mm -hmm. um, so a little background there. Um, Teresa knows all of this already. Um, but a lot of times it, entheogenic plants um, and fungi obviously are used for things like soul retrieval, shadow work, um, going to some sort of spirit realm, especially in the uh, Peruvian cosmology, things like ayahuasca and San Pedro. There's absolutely some journeying to the spirit world with it. Um, even things like salvia, you know, the chewed salvia leaves, they believe they're going to the spirit world in their form of uh, shamanism. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I think it's interesting that people all over the world have kind of come to this conclusion mm -hmm. and us as just Americans trying some mushrooms, we can kind of come to that conclusion too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting how it kind of connects all these different cultures together. Absolutely. It's like part of every culture. Yeah. 
Well, I know uh, our, our friend uh, Terrence McKenna talks a lot about it mm -hmm. to the, uh, the Jungian collective unconscious. Mm -hmm. um, so my mother-in-law is a Jungian psychologist. And anytime I talk to her about my mushroom trips, she, uh, she gets excited and she's like, wow, that's exactly uh, what Carl Jung said about XYZ. Huh. And she's like, have you been reading Jung? And I'm like, <laughs> no, no I've just been taking mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, same thing, I guess. <laughs> been eating Jung. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so, We've talked about our mushroom experiences. Uh, what what else have you tried that you might want to talk about? Oh, we should talk about Amanita muscaria. Yeah, let's do it. Oh man, so I know that we've been wanting to do this for a yeah. while, like, but it's like one of those much like psychedelics that's like you like you don't almost want to try it like all the time. It's like mm -hmm. just really intense, really just like. I thought, so when I did this, I thought I was going to be like taking a low dose or a micro dose and I literally just broke off a tiny little piece of the Amanita muscaria, which is like the red and white um, mushrooms. See this one like the famous, right here? Yeah. <laughs> so I just took the tiniest little piece, put it in a big um, thing of tea, put some like other mushrooms, I think I put like chaga, <clears throat> sorry, or something like that. but. Um, so I just took a couple of sips of the tea and I, I hadn't eaten anything that day too, so I think that was part of it, but it kicked in so fast. Like I literally just took a couple of sips of the tea and I had to lay down cause it was like, so it's, this is a psychedelic that's, um, labeled a dissociative, I think that's mm -hmm. what, um, so it's more like a kind of like a drunk feeling, it's the same receptors, the GABA receptors, the alcohol, um, different part of the receptor, but same kind of like that woozy kind of weird feeling, but um, so that kind of started to kick in and I lay down and this is when I started to get like pang attacks and just like, oh, just thinking about it, like I had to like stop and breathe because it was just like, <sighs> um, for some reason, when I do psychedelics, like, I always think my throat is going to close up or something. Really? I don't know what that is, but... I always get that when I smoke weed. Really? I get a little nervous and yeah. my throat's tight. There's something about that. I don't know. But I just, like, I was like, oh my god, I can't breathe. I'm going to... Sure. Like, I was just like... So I was like all by myself using the Amity Mascara for the first time. I was like, just kind of scary. So, um, uh, I'm having this panic attack and... All of a sudden, I feel there's like this, I don't know how to explain it. It's like so hard to talk about your trip sure. sometimes, but like this spirit lady, like I could see, I couldn't see her face, the details of her face, but I could like see her. She was like super bright and I could like feel this pressure that would start in my head and it would like go down my body and it would start back up. And oh, wow. I felt like I was like in a Xerox machine. So like you were feeling it in waves kind of? Yeah, huh? it was like a kind of a wave that would go through my body. And after that wave, I felt super calm. Like I've never felt more relaxed and just like, I don't know. I know some people use it for like an antidepressant or like, mm -hmm. uh, real, or to relax or whatever in lower doses. So. I could kind of see that from how I felt with that. Really? Like, yeah. With Amanita? Yeah, really interesting. Um, but, 
So, and then there was one point where I, like, actual projected. So I could, like, I was, like, in my bed. I could, like, see myself over myself. I was, like, over myself and, like, watching myself in this place. But also mm -hmm. I was, like, in a totally different place. I could feel myself in both of these places. Really strange feeling. Um, but then I got, like, the classic, like, Alice in Wonderland. Like, I was this huge person. Like, I was wow. as big as this room. Like, that's what I felt like. And then I was, like, super tiny. And then I could, like kind of go back and forth between these feelings and just like, I don't know, it was like super <laughs> Alice in Wonderlandy. And then I had like the best sleep of my night. Like, nice. ever, like yeah, it was That's great. Awesome. Yeah. So definitely something that like, I'm scared to try again. So mm -hmm. I definitely want to try it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> we like try to do, set this up before and I'm just like, I get scared every time. Mm -hmm. um, I'll be honest, I do too though. Yeah, dude, I'm it's like, intense. That's why every time I've been a little relieved like yeah, the, the like, cancellation good. text from Teresa I'm like okay I didn't think we were gonna do this but I think that's okay yeah dude it's just uh, one of those that's just really intense so. but we gotta do it sometime alright so, well like, it's on the record yeah, it's on the record it's on the record but I kinda wanna smoke it or something next time just like it's supposed to be mellow yeah I think it's supposed to be more mellow when I smoke it so and you know, we should say as we're talking about this stuff, too, that um, I think both of us would, and I, I'll speak for myself, but um, say that we're not here to convince anybody to try any drugs. But oh, yeah. It's not for everyone. And they certainly do all have their own inherent safety risks. Um, Amanita muscaria, of course, a lot of people contend that it's neurotoxic. It could have some damaging effects on your kidneys. Um, but... I know Teresa's found some varying research on that. Yeah, I feel like, man, don't get me started on scientific <laughs> research, because, like, it's a whole kind of mess, like, because all that research was done with mice, and they were injecting it, ibutanic acid, straight into the brain. So it's not the same as, like, eating the amine muscaria, especially because you're decarbing a lot of that um, <clears throat> ibutanic acid into musk moss. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just don't inject it straight into your brain, and you should be good. But should be all right. Also, there's not enough research on all right. these kind of things, so you really don't know what it could be a neurotoxin, like. Yeah. But there's also other research that shows it's good for your brain, so it's like, I don't know. Well, in most um, older guidebooks, and I think a lot of current ones for mushrooms, if you're into foraging, you can find them, you know, most places, some form of Amanita muscaria throughout the U.S. Um, here we have, um, I think, Amanita muscaria gesuae, is that what it's called? That yeah. sort of a sunburst yellow um, and orange one. We also do get all the way down to the standard red ones. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely not something you just want to go out and pick and eat. The guidebooks will say that it's toxic. Mm -hmm. um, I would put an asterisk next to that and mm -hmm. say that... Um, when prepared properly and using the proper dosage, mm -hmm. it can be something that's relatively safe. Yeah. And it was, like, one of the most spiritual things of my life. Like, really? I don't know. I feel like that spirit thing, like, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like it connected to me to, like, a spirit world or sure. something. I don't know. Well, you know, I, I can certainly say, having never done Amanita, I'm not 100%. Um, familiar with the way it makes you feel, but that does remind me, as long as we're sharing uh, trip stories here, of a very important entheogen in my life. Um, 
the first entheogen I ever actually really learned about in any depth is uh, San Pedro cactus. Um, I took a Peruvian anthropology class at CSU during my anthropology major, um, and we learned pretty quickly about um, the San Pedro cactus, and just in passing, the teacher happened to mention, well, those are legal to grow in the United States. And I was like, hmm, how does she know that? Why does she know that? Um, but not, not saying, you know, that maybe she cultivates them, but I will say that semester, every hippie in the class did some sort of report or paper on San Pedro or um, Chavin de Huantar, which is um, the site of an ancient San Pedro cult with some pretty cool uh, petroglyphs. Um, speaking of which, CSU Psychedelic Club will be doing a presentation. I'll be doing one on San Pedro coming up. So we'll, we'll probably upload that here as well, um, or at least a link to it. Um, so keep a lookout for that. Um, but yeah, so I learned about it in college and I didn't think about it for a number of years until, um, actually no, that's, that's not true. I, I feel like almost right away I ordered some sandpaper, <laughs> but I didn't do it for a number of years. Um, so I, I had some cuttings and, um, basically ended up just becoming ornamental plants, but eventually under the right setting, um, I ended up taking that as my second entheogen. So I just kind of sat on that for years until I finally worked up the chutzpah to try it. And uh, basically, the way I describe it is kind of a slow burn. It's like an all-day entheogenic lollipop, is what people say. Um, you don't want to combine it. From personal experience, I feel like you don't want to combine it with anything else. Oh, yeah. Um, I made a foolish mistake of that one time and uh, got a really, really high heart rate for a really long time. And it was up in the mountains, so... Good choices were not made that day. Um, but I have had, uh, my, my very first trip, I just felt like a child. It was kind of warm out, it was nighttime, and the trees were blowing, and everything was moving in kind of a tracer effect. Mm -hmm. Sitting around a fire, um, which was impossible to light when you're giggling your ass off on mescaline, and the wind is blowing. Oh, shit. Um, but we eventually, with the help of someone else who was not impaired, started a fire and they stayed and watched us too. Um, but um, yeah, it was the first time in my adult life of being super depressed that I was able to feel like a kid again. And I remember lamenting to myself, oh, am I never gonna feel that way again? Am I gonna feel like this all the time from now on? And that's about where I was at like 27 or so, um, just really lamenting the death of like being happy and young. Mm -hmm. And uh, San Pedro, they say it opens your heart and that couldn't be more true for me. Um, but I've explored it a little deeper with some different variation of types of cacti, and the craziest time ever for me, I turned into, you know, there's a lot of animal transformation stuff with San Pedro when you have visions, especially snakes, jaguars, like jungle animals from Peru. Mm. Um, and that could have just been planted there by me reading about it a bunch, yeah. or that could just be something inherent to San Pedro, I don't know. Mm. Um, but I turned into a great boa constrictor climbing up the world tree the axis mundi which is like this great big uh you know south american jungle tree going into the sky and as i start to get near the top of it my soul gets ripped into a cave with an ancient demon um showing me 
cave paintings and telling me to draw my own. And he wanted me to paint a man without fear. Mm. And so I painted a, like a, a man standing with a length of cactus in his hand. And then I turned into that painting. Whoa. That turned into me. And then I was in my room again. Whoa. So it wasn't like I was closing my eyes and seeing this. It was like I was there. Whoa in the cave with the demon painting, talking to him. What if that's where all pe petroglyphs are from? Like, that's where they came from. Like, <laughs> People getting <laughs> yeah. whipped into the past by yeah, San Pedro. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be fucking awesome. Well, wow. you, you know, and I think it brings back to something I've been looking at a lot. Um, as you know, and as some of you watching this might know, um, I have a psychedelic integration group. Um, that is resuming meeting at the CSU Psychedelic Club. And um, basically what we do is we sit around with small groups of like five and talk about our experiences. Because if you are uninitiated, if you've never done this kind of thing, stories like the ones me and Teresa just said uh, might seem pretty out there. Um, but one, one thing that I found as we're talking to these people is a lot of times they'll have archetypical religious fantasies or religious um you know hallucinations or whatever you want to call them journeys you know one gal in one of our groups was talking about seeing grecian mm -hmm. like greek frescoes like pottery painting um i've certainly seen the aboriginal stuff and cave paintings have you ever experienced any anything like that i feel like the spirit lady on amanita was like well, I did get abducted by aliens on that really, really high dose. Like, okay, I think we're going to have to know about that <laughs> right away. That's a good one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes. The alien abduction story, huh? So, alright, this was a couple years ago, and this is probably the biggest dose of cubes I've ever done. But, so, I once again, I started off just microdosing, mm -hmm. and just like, sometimes I like just like to start low, and then I'll just like end up munching and munching. Who knows how much I really ate? Like, I feel like maybe it was around like five grams or something like that. But oh, so you had the full I think hero's so. journey. I think so. That's yeah. what it felt like at least. It was definitely more than like um, an eighth or something like that. Mm -hmm. But okay, so I'm just like sitting in my room, and I was actually contemplating death, and I was just like thinking about how I would like. It wasn't that I didn't care if I died. I was just like, I don't know. I was just very comfortable with that mm -hmm. idea. Um, so that was kind of how the trip started off, and then there was one point where I like had to lay down because I was just like so overwhelmed. But so I could like feel and hear like it was almost like wind going past my ears like mm -hmm. super fast. Like I, I just felt like I was just like going super fast. Really? And um, all of a sudden I could like it was like the astral projection thing again. It was like. I could see myself over my body, and I was, like, watching myself being, uh, like, there was some kind of surgery going on. There was me on this table, big lights on me, two, like, beans or something. Like, I don't know if it was, they kind of looked alien-ish, they kind of looked people-ish, mm. but, um, and they were doing something to my brain. They were doing some kind of brain surgery on me, and I was, like, watching them do it, and anytime they would, like, touch my brain, I would like feel it when I was sitting in my bed too. So wow. I could like watch it happening to my body in this other place and then like I would feel it in my bed and So you felt sensations of touch. Yeah, it was like I don't know. What did they feel like? It was like a it's like 
hard to explain. Like almost like a pulsating or like vibrating. Mm, like a buzzing maybe? Yeah. And there's sometimes like randomly I'll like start to feel it in my brain. Like, like still? Like, yeah, still. Wow. And so that was happening. I was like watching myself and like feeling it in both places. And and then that's all I remember really. So. That's and I've really heard of, interesting. I've heard other stories about brain surgeries yeah. on psychedelics too. So. Well, there's a lot of, um, and I've heard people say this as well, um, certainly scanning of the body. Sometimes it'll be like little doctors, and they do often feel like a, a scrubbing or a buzzing Dude, feeling. I, I wonder if like this is like a tool used by higher beings or something, and like when we use mushrooms, we can interact with them in this other world or something. Yeah, and, like, yeah. I don't know, man. I feel like it's like Terrence McKenna says, like... Um, uh, hallucinations are like a species of re reality. Sure. So it's like a different kind of reality. Like this is reality, but that's just like a different type. I don't know. Well, I think about that a lot as well. And I think one thing that comes across to me a lot during the psychedelic experience is the idea of the transfer of information. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I hear a lot of people, especially in ayahuasca circles, say, that they received a download. Yeah. Um, and I've, that's certainly been my experience with ayahuasca as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I do often wonder, and this is something um, I've brought up a lot of times, um, is it possible that, you know, in an infinite universe, when you see something in the psychedelic experience, if the world is or if the universe is infinitely large, is it possible then that whatever you're seeing by necessity must also exist somewhere in the universe mm. if we do truly live in an infinite universe and multiverse? Um, so when you think about it that way, it's it's totally possible. And, you know, to get kind of out there um, before getting <laughs> to, to that, that part of the podcast, I guess. <laughs> When it becomes coast to coast AM. Um, you know, I, I wonder, Terrence McKenna also brought up the idea and it really resonated with me. And they, a lot of people in UFO circles, not that I'm a total UFO guy, just a little bit. And uh, I like our friend who has pictures of UFOs. Oh, yeah. Wait, who? Mike. Oh, really? Uh, you, Mike. <laughs> um, Oh yeah, I'm showing you those. Actually. Right, and they are con <laughs> yeah. they are convincing. If I can get a screenshot, I'll try to post it. Um, but they, uh, Terrence McKenna said that it, it's possible that when you're taking mushrooms, you could be actually communicating with aliens somewhere in the multiverse, because it makes more sense to transport information over large distances than physical bodies and nuts and bolts and spaceships. Um, so it makes sense that a sufficiently advanced race of beings would send information out to the universe yeah. encoded perhaps in the DNA of mushrooms. Yeah. So that was the big take, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you, but that was the big takeaway of my first mushroom trip. Oh really? It showed me an asteroid landing on the planet wow. and the full evolution of life yeah. all the way through dinosaurs and humans. And it basically the mushroom showed me that it was some sort of alien that came to Earth and the way that life is distributed through the universe is with panspermia 
or a DNA from asteroids. Because that shit can travel through the universe, it doesn't get broken down or anything, it can last, like, that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I would say for me, too, like, I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what I was told while I was in the state of mind. And it's one thing to hear it, but then to actually see it play out over the course of billions of years in sort of time-lapse like I was shown, um, incredibly detailed, by the way. Um, it was super intense, um, but it feels like first-hand experience, and I think that's something that's a really interesting topic we could talk about, mm -hmm. is this idea of even if these things we're experiencing aren't true, because you experienced it happen, does it matter? Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Huh. Man, I feel like, I don't know, because everything's so different for different people. Mm -hmm. All realities are so different. It's like right. there's other creatures that have different like senses than we mm -hmm. do. They have this whole other reality kind of. So who's to say what reality is in the first place? Yeah. First we gotta figure out what reality is. And right. we can see like if these other things are reality, I guess. For sure. I don't know. We yeah. Go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> well I mean if you think about it, like um Lobsters can see an x-ray, apparently. Yeah, there's, like, all that kind of stuff. Like, deer's infrared. Yeah. So. And who knows all these other things that could exist. We don't even know. Mm -hmm. We don't have access to them or something. Yeah, and, you know, remote sensing. We're already at a point where um, one of my college professors at CSU, uh, Dr. Chris Fisher, mm -hmm. um, along with, obviously, a whole team of people, but they are the ones who discovered that hidden... Um, giant complex, the lost city in the jungle. What? So apparently the Amazon basin, um, where the rainforest is being destroyed now, back then a lot of it was um, cleared, mm -hmm. and they had large cities there. They had this way of making a biocharcoal that could um, be utilized to enrich the p poor jungle soils, mm -hmm. um, and basically this whole city the jungle, the rainforest has regrown when they collapsed when the Spanish came and brought diseases. Mm -hmm. um, but getting around to the point of the segue, um, the way they discovered it was using LIDAR, which is uh, direct, I don't know what frequency of light, but it is a laser of some type um, that penetrates the forest canopy to just map the contours of the ground. And if you know anything about uh, GIS or mapping, um, What's really neat is you can take this image and look at it from above, and if I were looking at a map, because I did some GIS stuff in college, um, I could show you, here's a city, because humans are the only thing that creates straight lines in nature. Huh. So they're seeing a bunch of square, rectangular um, furrows in the jungle floor, mm -hmm. and they found one of the uh, oldest and largest complexes of... Um, human life in the rainforest Whoa, currently yeah. from the time when previously a lot of it was cleared which yeah. is cleared and managed which is really interesting um, but without huh. a sense that we can see with our eyes yeah. this remote sensing equipment has been able to reveal new truths yeah. so I think it's possible that by altering our consciousness in certain ways mm. at least about ourself and ourselves and our own experiences we can uncover some new truths, maybe about the way we think as well, you know. 
Yeah, because that was a tool that was used to see something else that we couldn't see. And like, right. what if psychedelics are just another tool that we can use? Like, the right. microscope, like, dude, there are millions and billions of little organisms, like, on you, in you, like, microbes, like, helping us eat food. And, right. Like, these are invisible creatures that are just, like, helping us digest things. Surely. Like, helping us, like, fight off other bacteria and stuff. Like, right. this is this whole world that's right in front of us. And if we didn't have this one tool, we wouldn't even know that they would exist. Right. So what if there's other tools that we just don't have access to yet? Well, I think um, that's a really good point. And I, I do think that this is a good way to exercise um, some of your cognitive toolbox. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously, one, one thing that comes to mind for me, um, as a result, at least my personal experience, with psychedelics and of course everyone's is different as you were saying um, but you know you talk about you know cells in your body you know there's more foreign cells in your body so more microbes living in you than you have your own cells mm -hmm. so that they outnumber you something like two to one or something yeah, yeah. Um, but even on a larger scale like when I get into a deeper mushroom experience typically I'm left with the feeling that just as your body is made up of many different beings, you also, your individuality is part of an even greater being. Um, you could consider that the ecosystem or just the planet, that you get this feeling that the earth is one great being. And then further, um, I also feel the sense that I'm not truly separate from the universe. Um, that there's being that's a reality dissolving substance or a boundary-dissolving substance, rather, as Terrence McKenna always used to say. Um, for me, it really does show me that I am you, you are me, the tree is me, that I'm part of the sky. Um, you know, it might sound pretty, pretty woo-woo, but um, that's just the sense I'm typically left with when I go into that journey. Yeah. It's like, I wonder if each cell in our body thinks it's like one separate thing. Like, what if right. we're connected to this bigger thing that we just don't realize it or something. Yeah, there's a, a liver cell somewhere in you yeah. complaining about the cost of bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, I don't know. Trying yeah. to trying to vote whether a, a white blood cell or a red blood cell is gonna be in charge of the stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well I I think that's a really interesting thing we get into too. Like we all have these individual dramas playing out in our own minds that mm -hmm. as the day goes by, you know, this idea that as we're going through life we're internally watching a movie of our life mm -hmm. and yeah. analyzing it, like rewinding it, going back yeah. over it. Well, that's kind of tricky to think about it. Right? Yeah. And you're almost writing your future movie, like you get up in the morning, you think, what am I going to do? And you see yourself throughout the day, and then you go through that, and your mind has a simulation of yeah. what that's going to be like, you know? Yeah. But we don't even think about the fact that we think that way, mm -hmm. at least those of us who do, I mean, everyone thinks differently, mm -hmm. but, you know. Yeah, well, that's what it is. Like, almost you hallucinate it before it happens. Like, you gotta yeah. see it in your head. Huh. Well, and I think our um, entire cognitive experience is bounded by and shaped by chemical reactions in your brain, so a Dennis McKenna says a lot that your waking existence is, in a sense, a hallucination. Yeah, dude, that's really trippy to think about. I saw this one meme, and it was like, what if oxygen is just another 
um, psychedelic drug, and like once you start huffing it, stop puffing it, that's when you die or something like that. Like, oh my goodness! Just like breathing this oxygen is like this the psychedelic itself or something. Well, and it, it's something to be considered. You know what? What seems like normal to us, we could look at the world around us, and I'd imagine other types of life would see everything completely differently. Yeah. Like, I have no idea what this room looks like through the eyes of, of a fly. Yeah, you know, exactly. Or... It probably looks some, like psychedelic, trippy thing. And it's kind of funny to think about like oxygen as a psychedelic, especially mm -hmm. when you think about like breath work and that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Because that's like changing your your. I've hallucinated almost from just breathing mm -hmm. oxygen in a different way. So I don't know. I, I will tell you, um, in terms of breath work, two things. I, I will say, last year, when I got really into meditation during psychedelics as well, and after an ayahuasca trip I did, mm -hmm. I did get to the point for a short while where I could actually start tripping from meditating. Whoa. And I would come out of it too, and think I would just snap right back to normal. Mm -hmm. um, but I remained like I was on a mushroom trip for a good hour, Whoa. completely sober. Wow. Um, it's also when I decided it was time to lay off a little take bit. A take a little <laughs> yeah, break. Yeah. My cheese was slipping off my cracker. Yeah, I gotta put that cheese back on cracker. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel like that's a really important thing to talk about too, yeah. is um, moderation. Mm -hmm. I want to say... But moderation in your moderation. So yeah. Sometimes you just gotta get weird, man. Everything you know, like, in moderation, including moderation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. For sure. But so, I, yeah, you can't just do it all the time, kind of thing. Yeah. I was doing that for a while, too, and I did feel like I was almost tripping a little bit when I was sober, too. Yeah, so. you got a little HPPD. I think so, yeah. Hyper persistent psychedelic disorder? Is that it? I don't know if I that's what. I have no idea, honestly. I don't know. Um, but. Yeah, I, after I did uh, San Pedro at the time I, where I like became a boa constrictor and such, I did, because I'd done mushrooms shortly before that and shortly after that, um, because I was just trying to explore and heal myself um, throughout that year and maybe flew a little too close to the sun. I was taking my dog for a walk and uh, at the end of the street, a vortex opened up. So, um, yeah, just for a moment, like a Rick and Morty wormhole, oh, and I kind of blinked twice, and then it went away. Whoa, so. dude. <laughs> what? Yeah. That was when you were sober? That was when I was sober. Um, and that was just from, my, my light turned itself off there. I was wondering <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, that was, uh, that would start happening when I'd smoke a little cannabis, so I'm not completely sober, but certainly yeah. just like. That's what? my baseline sober. <laughs> right. I, I read an article this week where they're starting to call that California sober. I saw that, yeah. I'm like, I, mm, <laughs> like California sober. Yeah, dude, I like so that. So when you're like, were you sober? I'm like, oh, yeah, no, nah, I was California. just a little high. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly So no. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So no, not, not yeah. a little sober. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so I just think, I forget who said this, but they say once you've gotten the message, hang up the phone. Uh -huh. um, but sometimes the phone rings again with a different message. The phone can definitely <laughs> ring again. Yeah. Um, and I, I had about six months recently where mm -hmm. I decided to hang it up. Mm -hmm. And uh, finally recently did partake again. And uh, 
you know, it was kind of a hard winter or hard fall because my dog had died right at that time. And I was feeling really down in the dumps. And so I took just a moment to center myself without any psychedelic selena and heart to things like, um, you know, therapy and meditation, walking, reading, doing, and just getting back to the things that I love again. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I got to a place where I felt like I could do a little bit of mushrooms and I had probably perhaps the second best trip of my life. Not not uh, better than the first one ever, mm -hmm. but really impactful and uh, have just been so much more productive and uh, well managed emotionally since then. Mm -hmm. And uh, But I think, you know, it wouldn't happen that way if I didn't take that time off. Yeah, you gotta take a break every now and then. Yeah, my, yeah. my trips were starting to get really dark and negative and scary. Yeah. Lots of clowns and jesters bugging me. That seems to be like a common thing. I wonder what, why, what? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people who see jokers or jesters. Huh. There's a lot of, when I was on my ayahuasca trip, there was a Native American gentleman with us mm -hmm. um, who's a member of, I forget the tribe, um, but down there in Albuquerque. And his trip, a lot of it was just Donald Trump winking at him, what? like pointing at him and winking, Ugh. and like, so he described that as being sort of his jester, huh. was like Donald Trump. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder, like, there's gotta be some kind of, like, reason that we're all seeing that. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't know, if, I kind of wonder, like, what if it's like a message, like, saying that this is, like, not as serious, like, we're taking life too seriously or something mm -hmm. like that. Well, I think sometimes that's where the dark stuff comes from. Because mm. um, certainly when I'm shown my greatest fears, it sort of trivializes them a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh-huh. What about... So when, when you're in that sort of state, you see something crazy, are you always like, whoa, mm. that's out there? Or are you like, oh, I accept this, this is totally normal. And then, <laughs> like, which... Which camp do you fall into? I don't know. I feel like it's more of a, it wasn't like, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Somewhere in the middle, I guess. Yeah. But definitely like, I don't know. Because I kind of think it's part of reality too. So mm -hmm. it's not like super. It just crazy. seems normal almost yeah, sometimes, almost, right? Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Like I'll see. Uh, oh yeah. I just got abducted by aliens. You know? Right. Just another Tuesday, dude. Right. <laughs> Or I've seen like a floating pyramid in space yeah. that's also a planet, but also a machine. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, trying to take, I'm always trying to take mental notes, try to remember stuff for afterwards. Yeah. I like to analyze, like, why am I, why would I yeah. do this? And like, because they're, did I tell you about the Lindsay Lohan blanket story? Oh gosh, <laughs> that sounds vaguely familiar. I know your like, friend turned into a monster that time or something, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, my ex-boyfriend. Yeah, let's... Oh my god, so should what's we go here? Yes, <laughs> okay. let's. Alright, my Lindsay Lohan story. Alright, so this was back in Baltimore. I think I was like, I was older at this point. I think I was around like 20, but mm -hmm. this was maybe a third time or something I did mushrooms. My sister came to visit. She had been living in Colorado for a while, and she brought a bunch of mushroom, like brownies or something like wow. that. So... I woke up in the morning and for some reason I thought it would be okay just to like start chowing down on them. Oh, like, I hadn't eaten anything that day. First yet. thing in like, the morning. I don't know what the heck I was thinking. I was just a goober and but so I'm just eating these brownies and this was back 
in Baltimore, and I was just in this really toxic relationship. I've been with him for like all my like for six years mm -hmm. or something. Like that was like my like my high school boyfriend and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, this was at a point where like heroin was just like everywhere, dude. Oh wow! Almost every single person I knew was on heroin, and it was just like a shit show everywhere. I just remember like begging people not to do heroin. Almost really? every day. It was like a full-time job. Do you have a lot of friends job. who would? Yeah. Oh, wow. And like, and yeah, my boyfriend, like, just begging him not to do it all the time. Um, so it was a shit show, and um, so I'm on these mushrooms, and I'm looking at my boyfriend, and I, his face just, like, morphs into wow. this, like, devil-looking thing, and he's just, like, his face is, like, almost unattached from his head, and he's just, like, kind of coming at wow. me. I'm like, oh my god, I got the fuck out of here. So I, like, go down in the basement, away from everyone else. And I just remember, like, do you know that feeling, like, when you're super nervous and it's almost like a painful feeling like, mm -hmm. in your skin, sort of? Yeah. I felt that, like, all over my body. Like, I just felt, like, almost like a embarrassed feeling or a nervous feeling, just, like, super extreme. Um, and then I remember seeing... Um, Lindsay Lohan's face, like, in this, like, blanket, and she was, like, coming at me, dude, and I was just, like, in the corner, like, <laughs> like, freaking out, like, why the fuck am I seeing Lindsay, Lindsay Lohan? Lohan? Yeah, so, I've, like, at first I thought that was, like, just some weird thing, oh, yeah, just some mm -hmm. weird hallucination I saw, Lindsay Lohan, blanket, weird, but when I started to really think about it, like, this was a time in my life where I was just... So like I said, like I didn't, I was scared to talk to people, and like mm -hmm. I had really bad social anxiety, and I just like didn't really have any friends or anything, and um, so I would like watch like shitty celebrity gossip news. And, like, really? Lindsay Lohan. Oh, this was no. like when Lindsay Lohan was like in TMZ and like all that stuff, like all the time. So is that like 2012? Is that what we're talking that, about? Yeah, 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 something like that. She was just like everywhere. So. Wow. When I really started to think about that, I was like, Lindsay Lohan's face in a blanket, like, why would I see that? And I started to think about it, and it's like, what if the vision or whatever was trying to tell me that I'm using this as a, like, almost like a security blanket? Like, I mm. felt like I was using celebrity gossip as, like, a way to not socialize with other people. Mm. Like, it was my way of socializing without really talking to people. Because I feel like that's why people go to celebrity gossip, like... They don't have real friendships, so mm -hmm. they, like, see these other people's lives or something like that. And I felt like that's what I was doing. Like, I was replacing real friendships with Lindsay Lohan, and that's why I saw her face in this blanket coming after me. And after that trip, that was when I decided to move to Colorado. Like, that was, like, that changed everything, dude, because that, like, got out of that toxic relationship. I, when I saw him as a monster, that kind of, like... Mm -hmm really motivated that too so I stopped watching TMZ and like all that celebrity gossip after that and like I don't know I feel like ever since then my life just like got so much better so really? I feel like some of those hallucinations might just seem silly and stupid at mm -hmm. first but when you like really start to think about them like why did you see these things oh and, yeah like, you can get a lot of information out about that and that's why I like your immigration classes or things and you can just like talk about that more and just like kind of analyze what you're seeing Surely. because I feel like it's not just some silly things sometimes it can be a message yeah well and I think you know the benefit's kind of twofold 
one, I think just, you know, when we talk about integration, what, you know, what that means for people who haven't heard that before, <coughs> pardon me, um, what that means for people who haven't heard it before is, first of all, reintegrating yourself back into your body. So, um, you know, when you leave your body during a trip um, or things feel strange, you know, part of integration implies just coming back to normal, being present, being mindful. Um, but the other part is taking your experience and integrating that into your life. So, figuring out to you, what does that mean? How can it be useful to me? Mm -hmm. um, so just being able to talk to other people who have experienced similar things and you know they're not going to look at you like you're crazy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you might not always be able to say, be sitting around at family dinner with your father-in-law <laughs> and uh, talk, talk about this time you did mushrooms. Um, I mean, you could, but... <laughs> my my in-laws are actually fairly, fairly yeah. open um, to a degree. Yeah. I try not to go on too much about it. Um, but... Yeah, you know, so some of it just sounds so outlandish, you know, you might feel crazy talking to someone who hasn't been there. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, it's nice to be in that circle around other people with similar experiences. Yeah. Talk about it in a safe place. So, for, for you, I mean, obviously we've talked about integration and um, integration group, rather, just being able to talk. Um, but, you know, there's other contemplative practices that people do meditation, walk, yeah. walking, I'm a big fan of walking meditation, yeah. um, maybe drawing or going to floats or yeah. um, yoga, or it could be something as simple as cross-stitching or knitting might be your mm -hmm. meditative practice, but for you, um, what, what is yours? What do you, mm. besides obviously just psychedelics and talking about psychedelics? Yeah. Well, I feel like having the psychedelic club is almost my like integration thing like mm -hmm. i don't know i feel like that's almost like therapy to me Interesting. like after like after each event it's like almost a psychedelic experience itself mm -hmm. like i just feel like i don't know it's like a therapy and like you're just like smiling and like yeah just laughing with people and i don't know so that's like a big part of me like mm -hmm. integrating things back into my life and having this group where i can talk about it and like, yeah. bringing people together like Love that. And we all, you know, can tell weird jokes that only yeah. this group of people would understand. Yeah, man, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> I always get a kick out of doing a Terrence McKenna impression with people who yeah. know what he sounds like. I'm not going to do it right now. <laughs> we should do one podcast where you just talk like that the whole, the whole time. time. Yeah. I always just... <laughs> just sip and watch. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was great. I, I do get it, though, because I'm sipping water this whole yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> If uh, anyone wants to do a counter, you can you can count how yeah, many right. times I've sipped water. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, um, Mike, a gentleman who comes there, uh, oh the one with the compelling UFO pictures, <laughs> he oh, yes. says that it feels like church, like leaving it church. Is. It is. I totally agree with that. Yeah. yeah, and I have to say, a big trouble with me growing as I've been struggling with you know, for many years I was spiritual or agnostic or fake Christian lights. I kind of went to church, mm. kind of didn't. You know, about 25, 26, I was able to sort of come out to myself and everyone else that I'm atheist. And the biggest uh, loss mm. in that um, turn of events is the feeling of community. 
um, that I would get from being in yeah. church. I think that's why people are drawn to religion, really. Yeah. To, like, just have this whole set of friends when you have this thing in common. Yeah. And, like, we don't have, um, I mean, obviously, as a man, I can join a Wolf's Lodge, or I can't join the Grand Masons because I'm an atheist, um, yeah. but, you know, you could join the, the Moose Club or the Elks, um, oh, yeah. but by and large, people in our generation don't do that, so that's kind of gone, too. You don't get outside and talk to your neighbors. There's not neighborhood barbecues, typically. Yeah. You know, I'm friendly with both, both my neighbors. They're nice, but that's mm -hmm. as far as it goes, you know. Um, sometimes we barbecue, but it's not the whole community mm -hmm. getting together, you know. Um, and so for me, it is the exact same feeling I would have going to church when I was a kid. When I when I leave, um, I almost feel like we need store brand cookies and powdered yeah. lemonade. Oh my god! Like, yeah, that's what we had at my church. <laughs> yeah, we do need snacks. I think. Yeah. Maybe I'll bring some powdered lemonade. Yeah, sometime. totally should. But then people will think it's more than lemonade. Oh, or, yeah, they'll be, like, questioning what's a mystery. Or maybe food. someone will turn it into more than lemonade, which yeah. would be a problem. Yeah, it could get weird, I guess. Maybe we should bring our own beverages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I definitely feel like it's a churchy kind of feel, though. Like, just that community and, like, having cool people to talk about mm -hmm. things with. Like, yeah, it's important. People need that. Yeah, and I think it's been really interesting this semester... Um, we're getting more people from the community. Yeah. Um, I'm one of the first time it was mostly students. Oh, yeah. And then, like, me and Mike were just, like, the two old guys. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's it's funny to be surrounded by, kind of feels like kids. Dude, um, yeah, it's funny to be an adult student. Yeah, but it's really neat getting people from the community this yeah. time. Because we're all kinds of like hardcore Christian libertarians yeah. and we had like religious people like you'd be surprised like mm -hmm. how many Christians like will listen yeah. to you about psychedelics yeah. and it, a lot of them it brings them closer to their God yeah. which I find interesting yeah. and I feel like for a lot of people when you have that kind of experience you make of it you use your tools and your kit to understand it so mm -hmm. for one person it might be God for me it's always the universe or yeah. my ancestors or totally. something like that more you know more of like the perennial tradition like this mm -hmm. underlying um, essence of all faiths tied together is what my experiences right. tend to be yeah. um, very like universal Unitarian mm -hmm. <laughs> nice, but yeah and there's even like um, the hippie type libertarians as well, mm -hmm. very like socialist flower child, oh, yeah. like people from the whole spectrum. Yeah, and uh, it's neat to see that we can find people that are both so similar and so different mm -hmm. than us just in yeah, this tiny yeah. community. I love it. Yeah, yeah, we got a good amount of diversity. And yeah. I like that there's like a lot more women that I would have thought too. Oh, yeah, it's a ton like of women. Too. That's really cool. I almost feel like there might be more women it this time. It almost seems like it, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that's, that's because I'm the president and they feel more comfortable or something. It's or, a good thing, either way. But I feel like I have just noticed more women in the psychedelic community, yeah. too. So. Well, and there, there are the psychedelic bros out there, like the super oh, yeah. toxic vape guys. No offense, <laughs> people vaping. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, my Bernie bros out there. <laughs> That's a new word I learned Bernie today. Bro? Bernie bro. I'd like, never heard that. I like it. 
We make fun yeah. of everybody equally here. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Just all kinds of people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's a really good time to talk about. Um, we have a couple circles coming up, so... Mm. On the psychedelic inaugural hike, me and Teresa were workshopping ideas, and it's funny because it was very icy that day, so we tripped all over the place. <laughs> He's got dad jokes all day. <laughs> Um, literally tripped. I busted my ass several times. Yes. That is the form of tripping I engaged in that day as well. Just falling over like five times. Um, I think that would make a great t-shirt still. Yeah. Something about tripping on the inaugural yeah. psychedelic club ice hike. I like it. Um, ice hike. Ice hike, yeah. <laughs> but I was talking about at some point I want to write an article or do a uh, maybe a podcast talk or something about psychedelic fatherhood because I feel oh, like yeah. as a father of two young boys it's really helped me engage with them and heal some long-standing intergenerational trauma. Mm -hmm. um, my family, my great-grandfather walked out on my great-grandmother mm -hmm. so my grandfather didn't have a dad so he was a really weird dad to his son, mm -hmm. who was my father and was in turn a super shitty father to me. Huh. Um, and psychedelics, I feel like there's something that have healed that part of me, mm. um, helped me receive that love, fatherly love from myself, yeah. mm -hmm. and also got me closer to my gender, um, my maleness, like exploring that and understanding yeah. it, and where I fall on that spectrum. and. Um, in turn, I feel like it's made me a better father and a better um, husband to my wife, Sarah, and, you know, just overall more engaged with my community. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I discussed this one time at a uh, entheogenic gourd circle mm -hmm. um, that Art Good Times led. <laughs> He's so um, cool. Yeah, I was up at the I Telluride Mushroom Festival. Yeah. Um, but there was a gal there we were talking about um, mushrooms and I gave that whole spiel about how it's helped me be a better father, better husband, better man. Mm -hmm. And she turns to me straight up. There's a, there's a group of about 50 people in a sharing circle. And she goes, that's not true. Mushrooms have feminine energy. What? And just shut that's me down. That's a weird thing to say. Yeah. And that was, uh, I saw, ugh, she was a San that. Francisco, like, really into herself kind of gal. Mm -hmm. um, and so that really kind of hurt my feelings, but it also made me think, you know, a lot of times men are so scared of sharing their feelings, mm -hmm. and um, I kind of thought it would be a nice thing, as after Teresa brought it up, she's looking at having a women's circle, mm -hmm. um, so we're, we're going to have a men's discussion circle. Yeah. Hopefully we can talk about some things like fatherhood mm -hmm. and engaging in the masculine side of the psychedelic experience and what that means to people. Yeah. Um, because, um, you know, I feel like sometimes inherently when you're talking about masculinity or femininity, this sort of underlying battle of the sexes comes out. Yeah. And it's like a rivalry or something. Like, yeah, some sort of rivalry or like, well, I only see psychedelic goddesses. Or, yeah. well, I experienced a psychedelic god. He looked like Poseidon, mm -hmm. you know. And then people get, get started debating. And so I think that was kind of our idea was to set up a safe space for each group to mm -hmm. talk about and come together. And yeah. what, what are your kind of plans for women's groups? Like, what do you hope to talk about? So, I want to talk about how psychedelics can, like, 
help women with uh, their like certain types of PTSD, like from sexual abuse or um, just kind of like I feel like there's something in our society which kind of like makes women like I don't know how to say this like slavey <laughs> like I don't know yeah. like we just like have this mindset that we are supposed to be quiet and like survive that, yeah that kind of thing and I feel like psychedelics kind of helped me like have a bigger voice and like have more of a balance with my feminine and masculine energy um, sure. I've always been like super tomboy so I've never really been super feminine so it's like I feel like it's helped me connect with that part of me mm -hmm. but also with my masculine side and like just having that balance I guess is the sure. biggest thing for me um, but I think it would be cool if we did the women's group and the men's group and then we would like come together and like talk about like takeaways yeah like takeaways and like how we can like balance those energies and like oh, work sure. together and that kind of thing so I think that would be fun but it would I really like the idea just like because I really want more like psychedelic female friends too so I feel like these that would be really would, like, good for you though yeah I feel like it would just be a way to connect with psychedelic ladies and mm -hmm. just like talk about some things that are specific to us so and I personally I'd love to find um so not not to make this too much of a personal ad, <laughs> but I, I would love to find some psychedelic father friends, like yeah. some fellow psychedelic dads. We had one in the club Sweet. last year, um, James, he just moved to Florida, mm -hmm. and uh, we used to take our kids foraging together, yeah. and uh, you know, I think, especially in terms of parenting, too, it would be really interesting to hear from some mm -hmm. parents about how it's affected their relationships with their children. Uh -huh. Because I'm sure a lot of people may be listening or uh, hearing this or just have had that conversation of, you know, should someone who does drugs be a parent or have mm -hmm. kids? Mm -hmm. And is it a safe environment um, if you're someone who occasionally takes the mushrooms when the kids aren't around, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, you know, because I've, I've heard a lot of discussion about that online, but it'd be mm -hmm. interesting to open it up to that. Yeah. I would hope we get some more older folks in the group as well. Mm -hmm. We almost should do just like another event where we talk about like psychedelic parenthood and like bring That'd some parents in and like do it on like a Father's Day or something like that. That would be, be really fun. Cool. Like bring your parents to the psychedelic club day. Bring your dad. Yeah, bring your dad. Like Hopefully you guys have hashed your shit out. Yeah, right. Which <laughs> is often the type of people drawn to this sort of thing. Yeah, totally. So um, I mean, I use mushrooms with my mom. Yeah. I feel like it's just like. What was that like? Feeling we did we didn't take like a big dose or anything. It's more like micro kind of low dose, but just like having that energy with her and like having her support me because she's been like so supportive of all of my psychedelic stuff. So. It's so nice. It's nice to have that support. And it's funny though, like she sent me to like rehab for cannabis when I was like mm -hmm. 15 or something and now she like smokes more weed than I do and That's like funny. does mushrooms with me so it's kind of funny to see how that changed. Sure. Yeah, and my, my, my mother's been super supportive as well. I, I couldn't Sweet. see her wanting to do mushrooms with me. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I would consider it. Yeah. You should bring <laughs> her to the psychedelic club though, man. <laughs> gonna bring your mom. I invited her yeah. to yeah. it a bit. And she just didn't even reply. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, no. But on the other hand, she she is always getting me a new mushroom shirt or a new mushroom yeah. jacket or a mushroom statue or so. And she's seen, you know, when I got my medical marijuana card when I was like 
18. She was very supportive of that. Um, my, my older brother, it's interesting, you talked about um, the servile traditional role of women. Um, mm -hmm. He is very much like a Baptist minister type. Um, wants to be the, the eldest male of the house and mm -hmm. this and that. But um, yeah, he tried to get me to go to rehab for cannabis. Oh yeah. <laughs> so rather than even be part of that conversation, I just I just moved out. Yeah, um, And then eventually my mom like ended up helping me fill out the paperwork and mm -hmm. we like had a real heart to heart and I was like, have you noticed that for the past year I've been a lot calmer, I've been less angry, I'm doing good in school again. Mm -hmm. um, so I was so so anxious before cannabis that mm -hmm. I couldn't even focus in class. I was getting C's my first semester in college. Mm -hmm. Second semester I'd started smoking marijuana and my grades were up to A's. So. Dude, I think there's something to that with cannabis and psychedelics. Like I'll microdose and study and I feel like it just allows you to see something in a different view and makes it more fun. I think oh, that's yeah. part of it. It's like makes it more entertaining. Yeah, and my, my, my best papers in college were written while stoned and listening to David yes, Bowie on my headphones. Nice. <laughs> yes, yeah, there's something to that. Like, mm -hmm. I was talking to someone about this in the psychedelic club. Like, they were talking about how they use it to study physics class really? and that kind of stuff. It's like, I don't know, just like, because you'll be reading it, and then you'll like, what did I just read? And then you'll try some psychedelics and read it again. Like, I don't know, it just brings it to life. Interesting. And then we have all these like scientific discoveries that were made while on psychedelics. So mm, like the structure of DNA. Yeah, dude, yeah. that kind of stuff. It's like there's something to that it can help you to see things from a new view. Because I feel like so many scientists are like closed-minded and just like they have their idea of what the world is and they can't open up to anything else. And I feel like psychedelics just allow you like you don't know shit and like just kind of shows you like opens you up to new possibilities. And I, I think that's where we get a lot of the problems we have in our society right now. Um, there's an ancient, long tradition of prohibition of visionary plants. Mm -hmm. You know, Christianity, um, you know, that's, that's why in Europe the people who handled visionary plants, these women, um, usually were considered witches and burned at the stake just because they know what, uh, you know, mugwort mm -hmm. or um, mandrake does, you right. know. Yeah. And, uh, we should do some mandrake. I'm just, oh, yeah? I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> we should not do some mandrake. Is that um, like intense or what? I don't know anything about mandrake. You could die. Oh yeah, shit. Could, okay. It's like I don't know if I'm ready a legit that. witch's brew oh, ingredient, yeah. but um, huh. it's also like a dissociative, like um, detura kind of. Um, but yeah, so they were subjugated both on along the lines of being uh, women and being involved in a traditional indigenous culture. Mm -hmm. um, those are two groups that tend to suffer um, a lot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, combined with that, um, in the move away from more of that traditional Christianity, people become more scientific as well, I feel mm -hmm. like. And that really is an, encourages this idea of the Cartesian divide where, mm -hmm. you know, your mind is separate from your body. Mm -hmm and you see things in black and white, you see things in just juxtapositions and separation. Hmm. Um, whereas psychedelics, I feel like, encourage that oneness. Yeah. So we have like a few hundred years of cultural baggage to contend with before it can even start to shake down to that level, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. And I, f I feel like that very first trip for a lot of people, sounds like you for sure, mm. blows all of that out of the water. Yeah. 
pretty quickly. Yeah, it does. For sure. Well, let me see where we are time-wise. Oh, yeah. Looks like we're sitting at about an hour and 15 minutes, give or take. Um, it'll probably be shorter than that when we post this because there was some goofiness in the beginning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My dog came in. <laughs> And uh, just needed to be pet by Teresa, so <laughs> yeah. she's in her cage now. Um, but I think we did a pretty job covering what we want to talk about today. Um, is there anything else that you feel like you'd want to add that we can't get to? I mean, I got a lot of things to say about Terrence McKenna, but we'll have lots of time, so <laughs> we'll have lots of podcasts. So. I feel like when we don't get a guest sometime, we should absolutely just devote a full episode yeah, to Terrence Appreciation. We have to. I'm down with that. And maybe some, some razzing on them too, because yeah, yeah, there are lots of great Terrence McKenna memes we could talk about. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, on that note then, I want to thank anyone who stuck with us for this long um, for giving this a shot, for either watching or listening. Um, if you're interested, if you're local to Fort Collins, Colorado area, and you want to appear on the podcast, have something interesting to talk about, um, you can contact us through either our YouTube channel or on Facebook. I'm sure we will start a Talking Technicolor page soon. So, um, yeah, let us let us know. And if you have any questions or comments, go ahead and leave them below. And uh, smash that bell. <laughs> right? Yeah. Cool, yeah, thanks for watching, everyone. That was great. That was fun. All right, thank you. Thank you, Teresa. Yeah.